You're listening to No Nonsense Sales from Salesloft, your weekly dose of sales fun where we interview some of the biggest names in sales and separate sales fact from fiction. And here's your host, Tom Boston. Welcome back to the show that puts the nonsense into no nonsense sales. Yes, we like to teach a thing or two on this podcast, but we also like to have a bit of fun with the whole thing. I mean, it ends with a song, so stay tuned for that. I'm on a mission to debunk some of the biggest sales myths around with some of the biggest names in sales. This week's myth up for debate, sales is a numbers game. Sellers are often told just do more, more activity. Just keep hammering away until you succeed. But my experience is that more in sales rarely equates to better. We're told to smile and dial. Just get on with it. It doesn't always work. And now, sellers have got more data on buyers than ever before and more ways to connect with them at scale than ever before. So what do we do? Lots and lots of research on a potential buyer and just spray and pray? Or do we seek to make meaningful connections and actually help people fix their problems? To talk this through, I invited James McLeod from Mixpanel onto the show. He's been in sales for over a decade and has been in data for nearly 15 years. So who better to figure out if sales is a numbers game? He's on the show to give his views on properly using the data of buyers to connect with them and gives his insights on how to avoid the spray and pray approach to selling. But before we jumped in, I took a trip down memory lane and asked James if he remembered a certain prospecting video that I sent him when I used to be an active seller. Mm-hmm, indeed, yeah. I think actually probably there's a there's a, a precursor to that and the fact that I think we were connected because I was following your content. So prior to you reaching out with that personalized video, I was already consuming some of the content that you were putting out. So, and I think that is key. That's a key message, right? Because you're selling sometimes before you think you're selling. I, I say this a lot, right? The question that gets asked to me all the time is, well, Tom, what's what's the point, right? In this consistent content, especially if you're, you're not seeing the benefits straight away. Right. Um, but I think you're a great use case, right? Because you kind of recognized my face. It popped up in the video and you joined the dots. That's what I often say with people. Let's help our buyers join the dots and become more, more familiar. Um, do you think that that process is... The, the future then? Because, I mean, it's a loaded question because I think it's the future of sales. But what I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I think so too. I think that we're in a a more, a very, very different world from when I probably started selling. And I think that, um, and a little bit tied into some of the things we're going to talk about today, is that you need to be a little bit more uh, and deliver a bit more as a salesperson in order to break through the noise a lot of the time. So how are you differentiating yourself today is not always through the product that you're selling or the email that you write uh, or the channel, but rather, you know, building your own personal brand, delivering high value content without wanting something in return before you knock that door and ask for a more um, detailed conversation, hopefully, when the timing for the buyer is right. So I agree, yeah. And and is that something that your team 
are using right now and 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 what other methods are they using to to grab the attention of potential buyers yeah it is 100 right so i'm saying to my sellers at all stages right we need to be delivering consistent value a lot of the time without expecting or needing a response i think the timing uh is everything in a sales cycle right especially in an economy like today right you can't just call somebody up and convince them to part with cash when you need that cash it's you know they don't care at your end of quarter or end of year right it's when the timing is right for them so we try to deliver as much value to the customer we do webinars like this on a regular basis sharing uh, the stories of our customers, sharing stuff that our partner network are doing, sharing as much information and intel as we can to create that brand awareness, that's, you know, company brand awareness, product brand awareness, personal brand awareness. Um, so, yeah, this is all the stuff that we're trying to do from marketing right down to individual in the sales team. Yeah, I love that because um, there's nothing worse, right, if you're in the shoes of a seller who are you? Never heard of you. Where do you work? Never heard of you. Like those two things, they're the hardest part. And that was the reason I started to make content, right? Because I wanted to make my job easier. I wanted to at least answer a couple of those initial questions by maybe people have seen some of the content and they're aware of who I am and I'm not just kind of calling out of the blue. Now, you said something interesting there about timing. And I think that is that is key. Um, you, you know, you can have the right products, but if it's not at the right time, you're never going to get that over the line. We were joking before we started recording about recessions and how we've um, we've seen a couple in, in our time. You've been in sales for a while. So what what's kept you in sales for so long over that uh, over that period? Uh, good question. Uh, blind hope. Um, I think, I think for me, I've always, I think by nature, I'm, I'm a builder, right? I like to build teams. I like to build processes. I like to build businesses. So, um, I see sales as the sort of tip of the spear of that. And I think that, uh, I, well, one, I really enjoy it. Right. And I think that you, you need to build solutions or, or in times of, you know, downturn or challenges. Uh, and then you, you know, build bank balances when times are, are good. Um, so I think, you know, I think that life and work is going to be full of peaks and troughs. And I think that you need to be adaptable. You need to enjoy the process in order to stay the, the term. And I think that you just take each challenge as it comes. And I like solving challenges. I like building solutions. So I think ultimately salespeople are problem solvers, right? It's it's not easy to, like you said, get someone to part with cash or come, even convince someone that you um, are a good, a good fit. That in itself is a problem. So if you don't have a passion for problem solving, how do I navigate this, especially in these, you know, trying times, as everybody says, then you are going to struggle. So I think that's I think that's key. Um, but you talked about enjoying the process there. What we're talking about today is this myth. Oh, we'll find out. We might debunk it. Um, that sales is a numbers game. Cool. What do you What do you think about that? Do you think that 
salespeople should in, enjoy the process, or is it just a case of heads down? Let's just let's just do our KPIs and hit our targets. Yeah, I think I think we're probably doing a disjustice to salespeople by calling it simply a numbers game. I think there's an element to that, of course, right? And I think that you know, someone once said to me that you know, quantity is a quality in its own right, uh, and I truly truly believe that. But you need the quality, especially in today's market. I think if we think about sales as a numbers game, I, I sort of think that's probably more associated to today's PLG type motion, which truly is a numbers game, but would also probably lend itself to the need for less, if any, salespeople in an organization. But I think that when you're selling a complex solution um, to organizations or whomever that have complex needs it's more than just a numbers game right again we, we talked about building a brand building uh content adding value over a longer period of time being associated with value and results and solutions that's not just a simple numbers game you know that takes effort and consideration and adaptability and empathy and listening skills and problem solving skills that is more than a numbers game i think there's a numbers element to it but i think that those that are simply playing the numbers game will become a little bit stuck uh and you know when a buyer is receiving 30 emails a day um yeah that's that's my thought and of course it depends on the solution that you're selling right if i'm selling something that's very simple, that solves a simple problem that's in high demand, maybe I take a numbers approach. But in my world, you, you need to be quality um, for sure. And I think as well from the seller's perspective, right, you, you go a bit mad if you're just yeah. heads down. And, you, you know, if you're going to do that long term, it, it's it's no it's no day to day, right? That's, that's going to, that's going to be a real headache. So enjoying the process. And I I love what you said there about quality. That's something that sellers should be really, really proud of. Like, Oh, look, look at what I've just put together. Look how I grabbed the attention of that particular prospect. I'm really happy with that video that I I sent them all that kind of stuff. Um, But let's, let's talk about the D word. Let's talk about data. Because obviously you're the guy to speak to about this. Why should salespeople care? about data in this world of well it's quality not quantity well yeah i've been in data for about 15 years in various different aspects of it um it's imperative right if again you look back to cutting cutting through the noise i think that as a seller you especially a seller that's wanting to deliver high quality output in whatever they're doing, whether that's writing an email, whether that's a discovery call, whether that's a a demo, a pitch, whatever it may be, you want to be as well informed as you possibly can before you enter into that interaction. And we can gain that from data, right? And that's something that marketeers have been using for a long, long time. And obviously it's getting significantly better in the depth and context that you can get from data. So I think it's imperative, right? If I'm going to take time to craft an email, a presentation, an interaction, I want to I want to look at the data and go, am I pointing my efforts in the right direction, at the right persona, at the right organization? Am I delivering on the points that have the highest propensity to get the return that I want? You know, am I saying the right things to the right people in the right medium uh, at the right time? Uh, 
to get the return uh, because, you know, back to that numbers game, right? I don't want to be sending thousands and thousands of emails to get a small response. I want to be sending very purposeful uh, emails or whatever to the right person to get the highest return for the deeper investment that I'm making. And And how do you feel about kind of using data wisely? You know, if we if we look at Spider Man with great data, become you know, there's great responsibility. I think it was something mm-hmm. something like that, right? Um, you know, how can you as a seller not come across as someone who maybe knows more about someone's organization than than they do? Yeah, good question. Listen, very topical to you know my position at the moment, right? Ultimately, we help. We help digital organizations better understand their users. And there is definitely, you know, in some areas, this uh, feeling of big, you know, that Big Brother is watching and that can come across crass for the want of a better expression. I think I, I think what you got to do is just understand that you're still having a human to human interaction um, and use that data in a way and, and, and deliver that information or context in a way that continues to add value. I think I've seen terrible examples of it where it's very clear from the outreach that someone's scraped my LinkedIn. And I say someone loosely, it's probably more likely uh, artificial intelligence, when I, I see the state of some of the emails I receive, has scraped some stuff off the web about me and my company and my position and sent me a pretty bland email. That's a, that, that, there's, there's no quicker delete from my, from my inbox than that. But actually the information that it's scraped and the loose context to potentially what may be my need is actually probably close to right but delivered in a really bad way. There's still, you know, I still am a firm believer. You know, that artificial intelligence has, has great value to add. But I'm still a firm believer. If you need to understand that you are interacting with a human, and you need to put context onto that. So, you know, I think when I think about data and responsibility around it, I think get the most value by definitely using it. Don't just collect it and not use it. Use it quickly. So don't overanalyze it for days and days and days. Look at the data, gain insight, try something, make a change, apply it, adjust it. Um, but also remember that ultimately you're still interacting with a human in most cases. So humanize the insights and the data that you're gaining. Give it real context that matters uh, and use your intelligence as a seller in this case to use it wisely, right? Don't just pick it up and throw it at a wall. That's my thoughts. I think that what you said there transcends into every aspect of sales. So humanize the data. I would say humanize the prospecting, humanize your brand, humanize the sale, right? And if you can start to get that right, you could have a pile of data insights on a, a prospect and actually, if you're not delivering that in a human way, there's no there's no connection, and there's going to be no sale. So I I love that, and I think that um, it's a great way to to round off the the podcast. But sales is a numbers game. Is that fact or fiction? Fiction. <laughs> I thought that would be the case, but of course, the podcast ends unfortunately um, by me um, singing a song. Well, I tell you, well, it's a classic. 
It's an absolute classic tune. Maybe shows my age a little bit, although it was probably released before I was born, hopefully. Um, what brought it to mind is it was featured in a movie I re recently watched called Belfast. Uh, and if you could probably tell by my accent, although it's dulled quite a lot since I've lived in London a long time, is I am from uh, just outside Belfast. Uh, I also then, after I was reminded of this song, found myself rather uh, inebriated in a karaoke bar and decided to sing this song. Uh, so I thought I would also ask you to sing this song for the viewers. And uh, what is the song then that I'm going to be giving a go? Bye, but it's Everlasting Love. Oh, well, it is a classic. And I'm going to have to do it sober. So, um, you know, thought, thoughts uh, I tell you what, I am very hopeful that it's better than my rendition of it. And I would probably be certain that it'll be better than my previous rendition. But if we ever get a chance that we're in a karaoke bar, I will definitely duet it with you. I'll hold to that. I think I'd started in the wrong key. I think I'd I'd gone too high. And then once you've started, you know, you start to run out of breath. That was Everlasting Love on No Nonsense Sales. And if that tickled your fancy and you'd like to hear the rest, head over to Spotify right now. Search No Nonsense Sales. Maybe you might be able to hear that song sung as it was meant to sound but if you have enjoyed this show in any way shape or form why not subscribe right now on your favorite podcast player of choice we'd love for you to join us next week thanks for listening